the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, everybody. Ron Geyer back with more End Time Insights. Thank you, Jesus. We love doing this. We're growing so much. Hopefully, you're listening, paying attention, taking notes, and looking up the scriptures that we give you in the Bible. I know I go quickly, but you can always listen to it again on the podcast. No charge. They're free. Brian does a great job setting them up. Today, I want to talk to you about repentance. Matter of fact, I have it titled, America's Need Repentance, but it's also the greatest need in the church. And I hear a lot of church people talking about revival, revival, revival. Well, no, America's greatest need is not revival, it's repentance. There will be no revival until America repents. So let's start at the beginning, Luke chapter 3, verse 3. And he came into all the country, John the Baptist is he. Actually, it was John the Immerser. He wasn't called John the Baptist. He was called John the Immerser because he dunked people. Anyway, and he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. John is the he we're talking about, and he came preaching a baptism of repentance. Baptism is the public display of one's commitment to turn away from their sin and of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It pictures dying to sin with him and then being raised in newness of life. That's what baptism is. Uh, One is now dead to their sins and they're alive unto God. Public profession is a key. It's a key element of our Christianity. It was popular then and I think it's important nowadays also. Of course, Jesus references the baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire. Hallelujah. And the Christian church needs to be filled with the fire and the power of God. Matthew 4.17 From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we see both John and both Jesus called for repentance. At the beginning of the preaching, it began with repenting Jesus. Here's John and Jesus preparing souls for an altar call. I love it. And the first step, repent. One must purchase a ticket to enter heaven. You can't get in there without a ticket. Jesus is that ticket. But the cost of that ticket, the purchase price, is your repentance. But note, repentance is the message that precedes entrance into the kingdom. Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus is announcing that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he's saying what you need to do in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven is to repent. And repent, obviously, you repent of your sin. If there was no sin, you wouldn't need to repent. The fact that Jesus is telling you to repent reveals mankind's a sinner. And yet we struggle with that desperately today. I don't get it. I don't get it. That has to be fixed before the church will do any business in deep waters with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Acts 5.31, Peter and the disciples preached to the Jews the same message. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, talking about Jesus, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. We talk about it, that that's it. There's sin and repentance. They go together just like Jesus and repentance. They go together. Jesus and sin. It's like soup and sandwich. Jesus and sin. Where sin is mentioned, Jesus is mentioned. That's why Jesus came to the earth, to free men from the curse of sin. Hallelujah. Repentance comes first. It's a gift from Jesus, our Savior. Repentance leads to the forgiveness of our sin. Guess what, guys? If there's no repentance, then there's no forgiveness. That's what Peter's telling you. Acts eleven eighteen. And when the people heard these things, they held their peace and they glorified God, saying, Then hath God also the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. So the process going on there, it was neat. First, the process is revealed by these two verses. God gave Jesus. He gave Jesus the gift of repentance to give to the Jew first. Ideally, the Jews responded and repented, and then they received Christ's forgiveness for their sins. It's pretty basic. Then this offer was made to the Gentiles, and they too were gifted with repentance. That would eventually lead to eternal life. Yes, repentance leads to eternal life. Mankind must be confronted with his sinful state so as to repent of that sinful state. There can be no further movement toward God without that first step, repentance. John said it, Jesus said it, Peter said it, Paul said it. There can be no further movement toward God without that first step, repentance. And it's a gift from God. It's much more than changing one's mind, although that seems to be the common phraseology in today's Christian church. It just means you're changing your mind, you're going in the other direction. But let's look at that. Repentance. It reflects not only a different thinking pattern, but it also reflects a heart change as well. The Old Testament word was, what was it? It was worst. W-U-E-S-T, I think. And that implied that it's a commitment not only to think differently about something, but to settle it in one's mind and heart that that way of living was forever behind me and there was no intention to go back to it. That's a stronger word. I like the Old Testament word better. And it's much more than changing one's mind. It reflects a heart change as well. Baptism. It's the public statement of one's changed heart and mind. And by the way, the heart thinks also, as does the mind. The heart also contains thoughts. Let me read you a verse on that. Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That's right. Your heart has intentions and your heart has thoughts. The Greek word is metanoeo, and it means to perceive afterward. Meta meaning after, and noeo meaning to perceive. With the mind in the mind, it's a reflection, a reflection of what have I done, and to think about it afterwards and having a change, to change one's mind or one's way of thinking. It implies a change for the better. Many teachers have simplified that to mean change one's mind, and truth is it's a much deeper conviction of thought. It just doesn't take place in the thoughts of the mind. It takes place in the thoughts of the heart also. Remember Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of your heart. Our hearts think also. I believe repentance, while it may be mental on some level, I believe it's all about a heart change. Conviction doesn't take place in the mind. It includes the mind, but Father is in the heart. He's into the heart business. He fixes hearts. But if we never tell mankind he's a sinner, then he'll never repent. And we just showed you if he never repents, 
he doesn't get forgiven. If he never repents, he'll never get into eternal life. If he never repents, he never enters the kingdom of heaven. Step number one, you want to be like Jesus? You want to enter into the kingdom of heaven? You want to live forever? You want to be forgiven? Repent. It's the message America needs today. That must change. There will never be another revival in America as long as the church avoids the sin issue. Hebrews 6.1 Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So according to the writer of Hebrews, repentance is a foundational truth to Christianity. And yet the church is hesitant to talk about it. We, we don't want to offend people by telling them that they're sinners. Well, they may leave church. Well, then let them go. <laughs> I mean, gee, you're not supposed to run after anybody. You're supposed to tell them the truth. If they don't reject it, we would do marriage ministry. Women would come up to me all the time. Ron, I need you to call my husband. <laughs> I'm not going after anybody. What is the problem with you? Well, he's doing this. Well, have him call me. Well, he doesn't want to talk to me. Well, then he doesn't. Surely he doesn't want to talk to me. I said, pray, get his heart ready, and then have him call me. But I'm not running after, well, Bob, your wife tells me I need to talk to you because you're drinking again. That's none of your business, Ron. I agree. You're right. Goodbye. <laughs> anyway, I'm drifting. Hebrews 6.1, talking about that the foundation. Repentance is a foundation of the Christian lifestyle. According to the writer, Hebrews, repentance is foundational to Christianity. And there's a move in America to remove any talk of sin. We would remove it from our vocabulary in total if many church leaders had their way. Man doesn't understand that he is being used by Satan to remove the need for a Messiah. I told you this last week or a couple of weeks ago. Satan tried to kill Jesus. He failed. Then he tried to hide Jesus, and that failed. He tried to discredit him, and that's not working either. So now his ploy is to convince the world through the church that they don't need a Messiah. They don't need Jesus. They don't need a Savior. And they do that by refusing to confront man with his sin problem. They do that by refusing to tell man that he is a sinner. If they can convince mankind that he's not a sinner, then they remove mankind's need for a Savior. Duh. If you are not a sinner, then there's no need to send Jesus because he is the Savior. He died for man's sin. But we're not sinners, therefore I don't need Jesus. That's what people are saying in the pulpit. And Jesus becomes irrelevant. <clears throat> you laugh, but it's having an effect. Christianity without repentance isn't Christianity at all. Matthew one twenty one: Mary shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall save people from their sins. I mean, it's right there. Not just some people. He shall save his people. He shall save all mankind. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Man has a sin problem. That's why God sent Jesus Christ. And he dealt with the sin problem. We're going to talk about this in detail in a second. Jesus and sin go together. Soup and sandwich, Jesus and sin. If there was no sin, there would be no need for Jesus to come to the earth. He not only came to the earth, he defeated sin when he came to the earth. He dealt forever with the issue of sin. There's nothing wrong with preaching that. Only Satan wishes to stop that message. Who's in your pulpit, by the way, if I may ask that again? Second Peter 3, 9, this is great. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But the Lord is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Who should come to repentance? All. Why? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You need to come to repentance. I need to come to repentance. There's a preacher out there that's built a, a million, multi-million dollar ministry by telling people they only have to repent once. And that's when they get saved. After that, they don't have to repent anymore because all their sins have been taken at one time of repentance. Well, that's crazy. 
If I rob a bank on Monday, I get caught and busted and I serve 10 years in jail and I come out, my sentence paid, I'm done. If I go back and I rob that bank again, guess what? I'm going to jail again. You have got to apply that attitude for your sin. You need to repent of all your sins. So many Christians are dying in their sin. Repentance. And I'm going to show you in a minute. I'm going to prove to you in Scripture. God doesn't hang you for your sin. Like I said, that's been dealt with. Jesus dealt with that. Jesus defeated that. We get in trouble with God when we fail to repent. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering. He's patient to us, not willing that any should perish. It is not God's will that anybody perish. Jesus came life that we may have life and more abundantly. For God so loved the earth that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. Hallelujah. God wants you to live. God wants you to live with him and us, the church, in glory. This is so important. Many misunderstand. Here, catch this. Here God proves that he trusts the process of salvation. Show me that, Ron. Many pastors don't trust the process of salvation, so they change the gospel. They won't mention sin. They won't call their people to repent. They won't tell man he's a sinner. They, in their arrogance, think they know better. These folks don't belong to God, and neither do they belong in the pulpit. Here, Peter, Second Peter 3, 9, he connects through contrasting ideas, not perishing with repenting. People don't perish because they don't know Jesus. They perish because they didn't repent. I'll read it again. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness. But the Lord is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So the solution to not perishing is to come to repentance. It's laid out clearly there. Here in the above verse, God's wish is that people would come to repentance. Notice, he doesn't say that they would come to salvation. He said that they would come to repentance. When you come to repentance, and this is what I mean about God trusting the work of the Holy Spirit and man not trusting the work of the Holy Spirit. When you repent, the Holy Spirit comes on the scene. Repentance is a gift. God gives it to you. When you repent, when you respond to that, the Holy Spirit comes on the scene and he convicts you of your sin, right? He convicts you of your sin, and then the process of salvation begins. Your heart becomes tender toward the things of God. He knows that you're going to come with a sorrowful heart. The Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit, will then do the work that God assigned him to do. Just like Jesus did the work that was assigned him, so too will the Holy Spirit do the work that's been assigned to him. Unfortunately, today's dominated church, dominated by man, doesn't trust God's Holy Spirit. Matthew 9.13, but go ye and learn what that means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners to repentance. Check this out. God's call to man isn't for, for salvation. Remember, many are called, few are chosen. That's not for salvation. It's for repentance. God calls mankind to repentance. There can be no salvation without repentance. God drove that point home. Jesus drove that point home. The Holy Spirit had the writers of the Bible drive that point home. You are not saved without repenting. That's why the devil has got mankind, leaders, pastors, and churches refusing to talk about sin. It's a backdoor way to keep man from being saved. Matthew twenty-two fourteen. for many are called, but few are chosen. Okay, let's, let's look at that. Knowing that we are called to repentance, right? We just read that, Matthew nine thirteen. Okay, but go ye and learn what that means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice for I am not Jesus, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus, I'm calling sinners to repentance. Matthew twenty-two fourteen. for many are called, 
but few are chosen. What are they called to? They are called to repentance. Look closely at the passage I'm going to read to you, okay? Remember in the Bible, there was a wedding and people didn't come. So God sent the servants out. Go get the people in the highways, in the byways, in the streets. Invite them to the wedding. I'm going to read it to you. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all, as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there was a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how came you in here not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him up hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and the gnashing of the teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. So I've given you the scriptures that lead up to that well-known verse, many are called, but few are chosen. So look at this. We see here there's a guest at the wedding, but he didn't bother to get dressed. He replied to the invite and he showed up, but he failed to dress properly. He failed to prepare himself. What happened? He was thrown out and he was punished. Many in today's kingdom have responded to the invite, but they have missed the preparatory aspect of entering into God's kingdom. What is that preparatory aspect? It is responding to repentance. It just freaks me out that so-called pastors are preaching a gospel, barely that, that doesn't include repentance. We are called to repentance. Without repentance, there is no salvation. And I believe that's the lesson here in this example. Okay, Uh, and let me break it down if I can spiritually. Okay, there was a wedding. The Jews, they didn't bother. They rejected it. No problem. God says, I'm going to invite the Gentiles. So the guys go out there, they get the Gentiles, and they come into the so-called wedding or representative of the kingdom of heaven. But many are in the kingdom of heaven, and they have not repented. They have not come to repentance. They have not received forgiveness. They have not been washed in the blood of the Lamb. They are not wearing the white robbery of the saints. And I believe that this was talking about it. And because people then that are coming into the kingdom, remember the kingdom of heaven, it's filled with terrors. It's not only filled with terrors, it's filled with people that don't belong there. The kingdom of heaven is pretty much all inclusive. Not only is the church there, but terrors are there and also the wicked are there. That's why it talks about in somewhere else that I write it down that God's going to go ahead and he's going to remove all that offend from the kingdom of heaven. And this is a picture of it. The guy showed up to the wedding, representative of the kingdom of heaven. He showed up without having a wedding garment on, representative of cleansing, uh, receiving forgiveness for sins. And the Bible says, no, they took him out and they kicked him out. You must repent in order to get into the kingdom of heaven. You must be saved. You must be born again. We are to come to repentance. We must respond to the call to repent. What? Your pastor doesn't make that altar call for repentance? Well, then leave that church. It's not that hard. We are called to repentance. That is the great problem in America today. We are praying for revival without a call to repentance. There will be no revival if we don't repent. Oh, we had somewhat of a repentance when President Trump became president, but it lacked the power and the fervor of God. We were so carnally attracted to President Trump that we went ahead and we just, like Israel, give us a king, give us a king. We were so excited. We had a conservative back in the office. Yay, yay, yay. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. And he did well. He did very well. I'm a Trump fan. 
Yet at the end of the day, America's problems, they are not carnal. They will not be fixed carnal. They are spiritual, and you fix spiritual problems with spiritual solutions. Second Corinthians uh, 7.10 Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes into the process. He convicts you of your sin, which leads to a godly sorrow. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. Many of us confuse remorse with repentance. For instance, who in the Bible do you think was remorseful? It was uh, Judas, right? He went and he hung himself. Why? He didn't repent. He was remorseful. There's a different word in the Bible for remorse than there is for repentance. I don't have it in front of me. But there's other people. Esau was remorseful, but he did not find repentance. Remember, the Bible talks about that. He diligently sought for it with tears. Hey, saints, God's not moved by your tears. Let's get that settled. He's moved by a sorrowful heart. He's moved by true repentance. Amen? So Esau and um, Judas, examples of people that were remorseful but missed repentance. And God can send repentance to us in different ways. Um, mankind, we can create an environment where God may send it. Uh, we see that in Paul's writing to Timothy, Second Timothy 2. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but he must be kind, he must be gentle, he must be apt to teach, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. Perchance God would give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. And we use this in our marriage classes all the time. If your husband's a scoundrel and you need him to get saved, wives, well, there's a, a process, a formula, a recipe, wives like that word, recipe, that you can use whereby God will respond by sending repentance to your husband. That's in Second Timothy 2, about 23, 24, 25. Without a repentant heart, God's truths will never be understood. We see that right there. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Repentance leads you to truth. It leads you to understand truth. Without a repentant heart, God's truth will never be understood. Repentance cleanses the heart so that it can receive the truth. Romans 2, 4, and I love this. This is so fabulous. We're talking about repentance, and here's an example right here. Let me get you to understand the scripture first before I make my point. Repentance 2.4, or do you despise the riches of his goodness and his patience, knowing that the long-suffering of God leads to the goodness of God, and that leads you to repentance? Let me read it again. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth you to repentance? Okay, what did we just learn there? We just learned that God's goodness has a purpose, and that purpose is to lead you to repentance. God's not doing too much patting us on the back right now. We're not doing very well. But he is giving us goodness, not because he appreciates what we're doing, because he knows it will lead us to repentance. Remember the uh, scriptures over in, oh, what was it, Romans 11. And it talks about the Jews, right? And it talks about the fact that the Jews, they were the natural branches. And because they rejected God, they were removed, right? And so God then brought in the uh, Gentiles. But he told the Gentiles, listen, I brought you in because the natural branches were uh, rebellious. But I can just as easily remove you as an unnatural branch. If I grafted you in, I can graft you out. And I can regraft the Jew back in. But he says, notice the severity and the goodness of God. He goes, on the Jew, the severity that God cut them off because of unbelief. 
but on you the goodness, and then here's the phrase, if thou continue in the goodness of God, you remain as a branch connected to the vine only if you remain in the goodness of God. Well, that's odd. Why wouldn't you remain in the goodness of God? What has the goodness of God got to do with the church remaining as part of the body of Christ? Well, remember, the goodness of God leads you to repentance. He goes, as long as you repent, as a branch will stay connected to the vine. The goodness of God leads to repentance. The lesson there, God doesn't say to the grafted in branches or the Gentile world, I'm not going to hang you for your sin. Jesus dealt with that sin. He came to pay the penalty for your sin, to set man free from their sin, and he succeeded. He did that. Where we get in trouble, church, is when we quit repenting. Sin's been dealt with. You don't go to hell because you sinned. You go to hell because you've rejected God and you reject God when you quit repenting. We must continue to repent. Sorry, Joseph Prince. Day in and day out. Church, you need to repent. Church, you need to get in the pulpit, tell man he's a sinner, and call for a move of God and the gift of repentance upon America before we lose it all. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.